the Gawins are here, Pastor Gawin, Pastor Mike, and his wife. I think he just stepped out. Everyone say hi to Pastor Mike. He's one of our Every Nation pastors in Arizona, and his wife, is, his beautiful wife, is right here. Um, glad to have you guys. Thank you for, for coming. Um, he is an amazing pastor. His daughter was helping to lead the worship at the conference that uh, all of our uh, college went up to uh, see in Florida. And so um, they're a huge blessing. I had some uh, coffee with Pastor Mike and um, told him to go check out Tales Up. Have you guys checked out Tales Up yet? If you guys have not, see, nobody here knows about it. It's like still a secret. But Tales Up is a, a, a new restaurant that is where Tom's Mini Mart used to be. Amazing, amazing fish. And so if you guys want to go check that out, uh, it's, it's Maui's best secret, but not for long. Uh, the same, the same supplier for, for the um, uh, Mama's Fish House, our own Matt Higa, is the supplier for the fish there at, uh, at I want to say Tom's Mini Mart, but tails up, and uh, it, it's, an, it's an awesome experience. So go check it out if you, if you want. Um, Kamehameha had their prom last night. Thank you, Kamale, for doing announcements. And, uh, and one of the things that we had to problem solve this past week, well, not we, but uh, the, the Maui High School and all the schools uh, had their track meet, but it got rained out. How many of you like it when it rains in the islands? You guys don't like it? I, I love the rain. And, and it got rained out. They had to cancel it. Um, no, nobody could do their events. And then they scheduled the prom on, or they scheduled the track meet on the same night that Kamehameha was having their prom. So all of these kids, they spent all this money, and they were threatened to not be able to have their prom on uh, Saturday. And so they, they switched everything around. They combined it in one, and, uh, and everything worked out well. But that's what makes life fun is the problems that we encounter, right? Amen? Life would be boring if everything went right. But, but throughout life, we always encounter the unexpected. We always encounter things that don't go as planned, and in those times, our characters squeezed and the real us comes out. Amen? How many of you like problems? <laughs> because that's when the real you comes out. And everybody can see who you really are. And that's the reason why God allows problems. Uh, we're in this series called The Chosen. And this second uh, episode of The Chosen, there's this, the, the most moving part. And the thing that I like about The Chosen, it, it, I heard a lot of different uh, arguments about how they don't like the chosen because there's extra biblical things in there. Things that aren't in scripture, but you could, it, they, they could have happened, but it doesn't say that it actually happened. And in John, at the end of John, it says that if everything were to be recorded of what Jesus did, it would fill all the books in the world. And so there's a lot of things that Jesus did do that are not recorded in scripture, but things that for a long time I like wonder about, like I, I did wonder about when Jesus walked up to Philip and said, I saw you when you're under the fig tree, I heard a lot of different, different hypotheses of why that was so moving to Philip. And it's so cool the way that they take the liberty to construct something that could have been. Uh, and that's one of the things that I appreciate about it. But this is one of the things that we're going to dive in today in The Chosen, this, the episode two, is that God sees you. God sees you. Turn to your, the person next to you and tell the person next to you, God sees you. 
He sees you in your failure. He sees you in your discouragements. He sees you in your worries and your doubts. And uh, let's read this scripture together before uh, we jump into this, the message this morning. Uh, let's say this at the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Philip's response was, You are the son of the living God. And then Jesus' response to him was, Do you believe because of this? You'll see much greater things, and you'll see angels ascending and descending unto the Son of Man. And he was talking about himself. There was something that happened in that moment where Philip knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And it was all because Jesus said something that showed that he saw him, that he knew him. And so the movie takes the liberties to develop the character of Nathaniel, that he was going through this, this time in his life where he wanted to serve the Lord, and in serving the Lord, his, he wanted to build a temple, but as he was building the temple, it fell down, and he got fired, and his dreams were shattered, and he went to this fig tree to, to be transparent and honest with God about his disappointment in life. How many of you, when you are disappointed in life, that you are transparent and honest with the Lord about the things that are on your heart? Uh, we're going to watch a two-minute clip of this scene. Is it not working? This was done for you. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call.
done for you. Do not hide your face from me. Do you see me? How many of you have been in a situation like that where you had a dream or had an aspiration and it didn't come out the way that you had expected? And a lot of us, every single one of us in life, life doesn't go exactly how we plan it. And there's always detours, there's always things that happen that, that push us away from the thing that we had anticipated that maybe even God wanted us to accomplish. Um, there was one of the, the most discouraging times in my life where I was, I was uh, wanting to make a business for Feed My Sheep, and it, we were all behind that vision. And, uh, and over a course of time, that business didn't work out, and, and uh, we lost money in it, and we thought that we had heard God, and we walked through it, but uh, at the end of the day, it didn't work out the way that we had thought. But in the process, God worked in my heart, worked in, in different ones' hearts that uh, put the project together, and we learned a lot about, uh, about what works and what doesn't work, and God shaped the inside of me. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned was that just because we follow God doesn't mean it always turns out perfect. Because we don't live for our best life now, we live as people of the resurrection, that even though I die, yet shall I live. And what we saw through that whole thing was God rescued us, even though there was a lot of money that was lost. He returned that and much more in the following months to come. And in every disappointment and discouragement that I've ever experienced in life, I, I've come to understand that it is a season. It is not the end. And I know that some of us are walking through times and a season right now of, of huge discouragement and disappointment. But know that it is just a season. That is not the end of the story. And that we serve a God with resurrection power. Amen? When we were in uh, Israel, our tour guide, Aryeh, he was taking us around Israel. And one of the things that he, he told us about was his father-in-law was, a, he was, Aryeh, our tour guide, was one of the first Messianic Jews that uh, in Israel, and his father-in-law was very anti-Christian, and he worked for his father-in-law and became a carpenter under him, and as he, he would always take different uh, opportunities to try to explain the Lord to him, and he said, one day his father just blew, his father-in-law just blew up at him and said, how can God be real? We went through the Holocaust. We saw our family members die. Our whole nation was crushed. And how can you believe in a God that looks at our pain and looks at our suffering and is all-powerful but still allows this to happen? And God took him to the scripture, and the scripture was Isaiah 63, verse 9. And Aryeh read this scripture to his father from Isaiah because uh, Jews, even though they don't believe in the New Testament, they believe in the Old Testament with all of their heart. And this was what he read. In all their affliction, talking about the Israelites and the Jews, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them 
all the days of old. And it was the first time that his father-in-law saw Jehovah, saw God as a God that in our affliction, he was afflicted. That every time that the Jews went through a time of exile or a time like the Holocaust of genocide, that in their pain, God felt their pain as well. Didn't just allow them to go through it, but he empathized and he felt their pain. And that's the God that we serve. And he said that when he heard that his father, God touched his heart and his father broke down and said, I can serve a God like that. And we did deserve it. We did deny this God, but he felt our pain. And just through the, the revelation of the empathy of God being there in our pain, it allowed him to trust God with his life. And so Ari's father-in-law became a Christian. It doesn't just stop at empathy, but God feels our pain, and then he invites us to pray. So when we, when we experience discouragement, there's three different things that we can do. Number one, draw closer to God in prayer. Number two, draw closer to believers in fellowship. And number three, expect God to use us to reach those around us. One of the things that is very easy for us to do is to push God away when we go through discouraging times or tragic times. And one of the most encouraging things that I've seen in this past season where we've seen people and in our church pass away from COVID or uh, tragic loss of, of spouses and, um, you know, different ones that, you know, Catherine, she, she has been just an amazing example of how she responded to the tragic death of her husband who was in our small group when a drunk driver hit, hit him and just passed the one-year anniversary of that. And, and in that, when it was one of the most high-profile uh, events last year and when she was on the news, she used it as a platform to share her hope of seeing him again and forgiveness of the per person who hit uh, hit her husband. And watching our church go through things like this, but also responding with grace and with hope is such an encouragement to me to see that we are being a light in our community. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points we're tempted as we are yet without sin. Let's read this part together. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. This is the encouragement that I want to I give you this morning. We were, we were um, going through the I am's of Jesus, and there's seven I am's in the book of John. And when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was revealing who he was for the first time to someone, and the person that he revealed it to was Mary. And Mary was going through the deepest discouragement in her life because someone that she loved, and she believed that God could heal, God didn't heal Lazarus, and instead let him die. And she was so discouraged, and there's two, two options that she had. She could have either come to Jesus or she could have stayed away. And it said that she stayed away, she was in the house, and he called for her to come out. And she had a choice. She could have either came out or she could have stayed in the house. If she had stayed in the house, she would have separated herself from what he revealed 
that he was the resurrection. When she overcame her discouragement, and even though she was hurting and discouraged, she came out and she saw Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And, and she heard it and she believed it, and then she witnessed the resurrection power of God. Death and discouragement and failure and all these different things are a part of the journey of the Christian life. But if we choose to surrender the way that Jesus surrendered, not my will but your will be done, on the other side of surrender is resurrection life. And the enemy knows that. And so because the enemy knows that, he tries to keep us from surrendering in our discouragement. Because on the other side of surrender is resurrection life. Mary decided to come out, and when she met Jesus, she found resurrection power. So in our discouragement, in our trials, number one, draw closer to God in prayer. Number two, draw closer to believers in fellowship. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In The Chosen, one of the things that happened in Nathaniel's discouragement was Philip came to him and instead of, instead of Nathaniel isolating himself, he came with Philip to meet Christ. And it's not only just prayer for ourselves and prayer and coming to God, but one of the ways that he transforms discouragement and, and transforms uh, our, our doubt is not just through prayer when we come to God, but also through fellowship when we uh, draw closer to others who have faith. Um, I want to I wanna call up Gabe, and Gabe is one of the guys in our small group. And um, as I was preparing this message, our small group is like such a life force for me. And to see the way that God has moved in, in the, guy, uh, the, the lives of some of the guys. Do we have another mic? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you Gabe's bio because he's an amazing person. Uh, could, is this okay? Sure. Um, so one of the most, the greatest needs in the military is the support of uh, families that have lost a loved one. And in 2009, was it 2009? Um, Gabe lost his brother uh, in the Afghan war. And it was just several months uh, between his brother passing away and uh, getting killed in Iraq and then his fiance leaving him. Uh, he was in Oregon at the time and he was a, a chef for a Four Seasons hotel. And, um, and He was a chef for Four Seasons House, and the reason why he became a chef was because he was orphaned at 12 years old, or he went into the foster care system at 12 years old, and went through a whole you know, period of time where he was on his own, had to fend for himself, and so he made the decision to become a chef so he could be around food. Um, but he rose in, in, that, uh, in that area and was on the Food Network at that time, and just things are exploding and having all kinds of success. And then your brother passes away and your fiance leaves. And one of the things that he said that was, um, you know, kind of captures the, the feel, 
feeling is that he comes home to an empty house. And, um, and so God uses all of these experiences for him to um, become a person who provides grief relief for people in the, the military. And in the military, he, he begins to expand that uh, influence to over 30,000 people in the military. And, uh, and two different things that he did was um, uh, peer support, but also taking a lot of these men up to these outdoor excursions. So um, can you throw up the, the picture of him at Kilimanjaro? So he took two groups of guys to Kilimanjaro um, and, and through the support of these tens of thousands of people had the audience of the president. So can you throw that up? Our favorite president. He is a good president. So. <laughs> nobody's nobody's uh, saying anything. Why don't we clap for the... You know. um. And through this, now God has brought him into another season of life. Um, but his life was not... Uh, just was not just victories, but there's a lot of um, disappointments and discouragements too. So I have a couple of questions for you. Yeah, this yeah, absolutely. Um, anything you want to say before? Yeah, just to share a little bit more. You know, so um, there was some challenges I had growing up, and I did grow up young. Um, I was a, a young boy who had to see the world. Um, without having adult-like eyes. So I really saw some dysfunction in the family I grew up in. Um, I faced a lot of challenges, and I did place myself next to food because um, at least I was guaranteed a meal. Uh, but through that, um, I did achieve some successes. Uh, I was able to work in, um, in a restaurant that was featured on the, on the Food Network, uh, not just me, but the whole team that was there as well. But it's not for my glory that those things happened, and that's something that's been continually illuminated in my life. It was an opportunity of the Lord drawing me nearer to him um, and to be of service to those around me. So I'm honored to have a chance to share a bit more about myself with each of you today um, as well. And so thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for being willing. Um, one of the first things is challenges that we go through when we face a discouragement is to either block God out or to like pursue him. Um, what were uh, ways that you surrendered your disappointments to God, you know, from the time that you were 12. I mean, you wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. You went through so many different things. Um, but what are some disciplines that you had when you faced these discouragements? How did you run to God instead of run from him? Well, you know, truth be told, I was in a survival mode for a long time. Um, that's all that I could do. Uh, and so it took a long time for me to be able to really, like, pause and start to be able to uh, dive into the word and to look past some of those hurts. And it was honestly through my marriage um, that the Lord opened me up to say, like through my wife's voice, uh, she let me know that I could be loved for all of the challenges that I had, which mirrored, you know, God's love for me as well. And so having an opportunity to be able to share open and honestly and vulnerably about my life experience uh, for the first time and to know that I was loved through it, uh, the Lord really used that to allow me to come even closer to him. So... That kind of leads into the second part, not just uh, embracing God and, and his love for us, but also the people around us. And when you lost your brother, that was kind of like a turning point in your life because you, went for, uh, you were pulled into the grief support and the, the peer support of the, the military. Um, how, 
how did you do that second step? Because the first one is to be open to God, but then the, the second is to be open to others, and it's so easy to, to enclose yourself in a room and, and just isolate yourself when you're going through a tough time. How did you overcome that to be transparent, vulnerable, and pursue um, intimacy, I guess, with people that um, were going through the same thing? Yeah, great question. Um, so... You know, loss is something that we know well in my household. Uh, so for me, as my brother Elijah killed in Afghanistan in 2009, and my wife, her late husband Jack, was killed in the Philippines that same year. We actually met at that organization we both uh, worked at. And so it was really through, in, in the beginning, God was wooing me back to him through true religion of caring for widows and orphans. It was through a language that I knew through survival of being a chef, and so it transitioned into grief. And I was kind of a chameleon in the beginning. I knew that I had a heart to serve, but it was through interacting with individuals and seeing them share open and honestly and having a level of trust with me that was remarkable. It, it shined a lens inward that let me know that there was still more work to be done. And it was through a concerted effort of prayer and vulnerability and knowing that I didn't need to know the full road ahead of me, but if I was willing to step forward just that one little step, um, it continued to present itself more and more and more and more to a life that's really unrecognizable to what it once had been. So I, a lot of, I mean, your dreams are to be a chef and all of these different things, and, and instead of being a chef, God took you down this road through a tragedy, um, through several tragedies, mm -hmm. and, and through uh, the last point, you know, expecting God to use us to reach others. Um, not only did you open yourself up to relationship and to other people, but you tried to be a solution to a problem. You used your pain and your discouragement to reach out to others. And through that, God multiplied that influence to over 30,000 people. And then, and now uh, this business that is um, scaling to the hundreds of thousands of people in, in the era of grief relief. Um, how, how, how do you see uh, that doorway of, you know, that problem being turned into a possibility? How did, how did you um, keep your eyes on other people during your greatest uh, pain? You know, one of the things that working in uh, grief and grief care that can often be a misconception is the thought that it is always such a negative environment. Um, there's actually this phrase called post-traumatic growth. Um, and hope is something that is in that environment um, boundlessly. You know, these are moments when you're often faced with the realities of life and death, something that we keep at bay for most of our life. Um, and so as I was just able to be graced in a space to be present to some of the most intimate conversations in general, it was incredibly transformative and allowed us to have an opportunity to be able to, you know, continue to see potential and possibilities. And if you're uh, an individual that was struggling and then you know we connected a year before we were gonna climb Mount Kilimanjaro and you started to say, you know, I'm alive, I can have impact, there's still possibility and you start to train and you start to you know, learn new skills and then you travel um, into Tanzania and you get ready to go to the peak. I mean, these are things that really reinvigorate um, and let you know that you are capable of even more. So it was through the opportunity to bear witness, uh, not necessarily just leading, but to see somebody who would be transforming their life, saying, I can, 
you know, and so there's innumerable individuals who I had the pleasure of being able to walk alongside for a piece of their journey that are doing truly miraculous things in their life as well. That's, uh, what, what would you say to somebody who is struggling right now, who's going through a dark moment and even um, questioning whether or not to, there is hope, you know, on the other side? Um, you know, when it, your story came to mind as I was, like, preparing this, but it's amazing how God took you from being a chef and not only provided this amazing business that you're CEO of and uh, seeing all this opportunity happen, but uh, even your wife, that you would have never met your wife mm -hmm. and now you have two daughters mm -hmm. and completely changed your life, but it was through tragedy, it was through um, an unexpected event. Uh, what would you say to people who are uh, in that process right now? That they're are absolutely moments and seasons of hopelessness that we can find ourselves in. And my word of encouragement would just be in those moments, if you lean in, if you lean in to be vulnerable and to be honest, you will often, if not always, be met with an individual who will say some form of me too. You aren't alone in this. What we know as Christians is that we're never meant to be alone. And so I just wanna offer a word of encouragement as saying, speak, speak candidly, speak honestly, be vulnerable. Um, and that little spark and change inside you is going to be a spark and a change inside the person across from you. And that's what starts to create that season of revival in your life, in theirs, and all around each of us. Amen. Could you, could you, pray, for, could you pray for us before you head back? Yes, um, yes, absolutely. Father God, we come to you this morning uh, with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness in knowing that no matter the journeys that you've called us to and have had us walk through, Lord, that there is an immeasurable opportunity that you've placed in that season as well. We ask for eyes to see and ears to be open that we can step forward into those spaces, Lord. Give us the words so that we can speak truth candidly and honestly into those spaces and help us to be willing to be uncomfortable. Lord, in that uncomfortableness, you give us the opportunity to operate in faith, in believing in you to provide the words and the wisdom, Father. So for our congregation here today, Lord, I just ask that you become ever-present in our lives, that you become ever-present in our community, Lord, that there's a markation of difference in this moment forward as we lay our hearts out to you in knowing that you care for us. Even in our most challenging moments, Father God, you see us and you are with us. And for that, we lift up prayers and praise to you, Lord, in knowing that you care. We love you and in your most holy name and all God's people said. Amen. Can you give a hand for Gabe? When we experience the disappointments in life, there's uh, to review those three things. Draw closer to God in prayer. Draw closer to believers in fellowship. And then expect God to use you to reach the lost and reach people that are hurting through your experience. Um, can we show that last clip of when Jesus meets uh, Rabbi, well, this is a good night. You know who stands beside you there? This is my friend, Nathaniel. Yes, the truth teller. I'm sorry? Man is often deceitful. And Israel began with Jacob, a bit of a deceiver, yes? Yes. But one of the great things about you is you are a true Israelite in whom 
There is no deceit. What did you say about me? What is this? How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him. Look at me. When you were in your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under the fig tree. I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? <laughs> you are going to see many greater things than that. Like Jacob, you are going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like to be clear. <laughs> God, we just thank you, Lord, that in our moments of weakness, in our moments of, of pain and detours in our lives, God, that you have a plan that's much greater and much broader than our perspective. And God, we come to you as a church uh, today. Lord, we we present our disappointments before you. We present our, our worries before you, our fears. And God, we lay them at your feet this morning. God, we don't want to stay, stay in a room and, and push you away. But God, you're offering resurrection power even to those, those things in our lives that, that seem dead. God, you, you are the author of life. You're the author of resurrection life. God, you can bring life from the dead. And God, we just pray that you would use us as instruments of your, of, of your message to our community. Uh, even in Hawaii, where we, we're suffering from the, the greatest suicide rate in the nation and the greatest mental health, uh, the greatest mental health crisis in our nation because of what happened during COVID. God, we, we know that you want to use your church to be a solution and to, to provide the hope. And so God, we just thank you, Lord, that you uh, can use us and that you can resurrect dreams, that you can resurrect uh, ambitions, desires, and, and even detours to make the future much better than the past. And God, I just pray that you would bring that uh, a supernatural life uh, to those that are struggling this morning. And God, that we wouldn't push you away, but we would come to you in prayer. That we wouldn't push others away, but we would pursue fellowship. And God, that we wouldn't hold our pain in, but we would use the pain that we have to minister to others and to see, God, you bring life through our lives and see many people come to you. 
Lord, you have a great plan for our island, for our schools, Lord, for, for our, our children. Lord, those that, uh, we know that so much crazy stuff is happening in our schools right now, and, and Lord, you place people there, even teachers in our, in our congregation to be a light. And God, we give all these things to you, and we ask that you would empower us, Lord, to be your hands and feet in Jesus' name. Can we all stand this morning? I give you my hands and my feet. I give you my disappointments and my discouragements. I surrender my life to you. Use me as you will. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. If you